Hey there, it's me again, Tangia Renee, and I have a final quick reminder. The season seven is now a wrap. Yep, this is it for now, but don't worry. The show will be back late summer of this year, 2022, with more brilliant women to teach and inspire us. We are heavy into prepping for season eight, the She Knows Money season. You're going to have the opportunity to learn from money experts that are going to teach us all about getting money, keeping money, and making that money work for us. The guest lineup is crazy good, but I always reserve a few spots for our listener input. If you want to pitch yourself as a guest or someone you know does, send me an email to that's what she did podcast.com and let me know why you would be a great guest on the show. You can also email me with a guest suggestion. If there is someone you would love to hear on the show and they fit with our next season's theme, drop me an email. Thank you again for being a listener and supporter of the show and for bearing with me through what was a challenging year. Now, for the final episode of season seven, I have something different for you. Something I've never done on the show before. This time, I'm going to be a guest on the podcast. Well, not just me. I'll be joined by Maribel Quezada-Smith, an expert TV documentary and podcast producer. She's also my co-founder in creating BIPOC Podcast Creators, an online community for BIPOC-identified creators in the podcasting space. BIPOC Podcast Creators is something we've been working on in the background for a while, and we're finally ready to share it with everyone. This has been an undertaking of love, but also one of purpose. We've both seen and experienced the challenges of being classified as quote-unquote minorities and creating in the podcasting space. We are determined to make sure creators of color get a fair shake. We also recognize the importance of telling our own stories and controlling our own narratives. So today we're going to talk about why we believe BIPOC podcast creators is needed. Since recording of this episode and the official launch of the online community, BIPOC Podcast Creators has grown and evolved. So after this, head over to BIPOCPodcastCreators.com to learn more. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart for your support of the show. Please keep sharing it. And in the meantime, keep an ear out for season eight. It's going to be dope, I promise. Until next time. Smooches. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of season seven. That's right, season seven of That's What She Did podcast. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's exciting. Like when I stop and give myself the time to think about it, I'm like, holy shit, this has been going on for seven whole seasons when a lot of podcasts don't even make it past the seventh episode. Mm-hmm. So, That's right, folks. That is right. Congratulations, Tengia. I think this is awesome. <laughs> and I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy to be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy we randomly met at a conference one day. <laughs> so, yeah. So we are, so the other voice you hear, Maribel Quezada-Smith, fellow podcaster, but also a TV and podcast producer, um, deep roots in the industry, um, speaker, 
podcasting coach, mentor, and consultant. All of the things. <laughs> all of the things. Mom. <laughs> so, yeah, all kinds mom. of things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, involved in, in like some really big pod, podcast projects and doing a lot of things behind the scenes. And, and we are together trying to do a lot of things behind the scenes, which is why we are here to create sort of a special episode that goes along with our theme. We're here to talk about BIPOC podcast creators, which is a brand new group that Maribel and I just co-founded on Instagram and in Facebook to support creators in the podcast industry. So not just podcasters, not just hosts, but editors, producers, anywhere in the industry that you might fall as a create something that's participating in creating podcasts. We've decided to create this support group for those of you who identify as somebody as part of the Black, Indigenous, or person of color community, because we are part of that community. And we were found ourselves coming up against a lot of the same barriers and challenges and having a hard time navigating them on our own. And, and you know, as the old saying goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. <laughs> so we decided to create this group that just opened and it's growing really quickly. I think qu- quicker than we initially thought. We thought, oh, there'll be like 10 people the first week and we're in the first week and there's li- more, you know, maybe hundreds of people. Yeah. To get in right <laughs> at, that, at this point, there are hundreds of people um, requesting to join the BIPOC podcast creators group on Facebook. And I, I can't, I don't even know what to say. Like, I'm honestly shocked, thrilled, excited. Someone told us to be prepared for that. And I honestly didn't think that would happen because I tried my I, I try to set myself up for success. Right. Like I don't want to set my expectations to the point where I will be completely terribly disappointed. I like to dream right. big, but I also want to be realistic. So I was like, oh, there will be a small little ramp up period. And who knows? You know, I mean, honestly, who knows what could happen? People might love it. Mm-hmm. People might hate it. But we've had really good. um uh, you know, support <laughs> this week. It's been cool. It's been really, honestly, my hands hurt from clicking the accept button. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a little bit behind on, on accepting everybody. And I apologize for that. We'll get to you as quickly as we can. But it's exciting. And honestly, I hope this is just a taste of what's to come. Yes, agreed. Um, I think it caught us both a little off guard. We were like, yeah, yeah, like eventually it'll get there. (laughs) But I honestly thought like the first month would be like a trickle, you know, a few people here and there and we would ramp it up slowly. And that was fine with me. Um, And I didn't expect to wake up this morning and look at, you have all of these notifications and be like, (laughs) holy crap. When am I going to, yeah, right. When am I going to do this? Which is why Tangia and I have been doing our research for months now. We've been meeting weekly to discuss the strategy, the goals, everything that we're going to do to support the folks that are going to be in this group, because it's so important to us that we are able to be there, but also have the energy and the resources. So we also have two other awesome women with us who are going to be part of the community um, management team, I guess that you call it community managers. And they are Stefania FRX. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it, but I'm just saying FRX. (laughs) And Kimberly Ming. 
uh, she goes by Kim also. So both of those ladies, I just want to shout out because they are part of the community uh, building this with us and they're going to be the community managers. So it is going to be a little bit more manageable to have some extra help on, you know, at the beginning of this. And at some point we're going to obviously hopefully grow the team a little bit more, but Mm -hmm. for now that that's who we are. There are four of us and it's exciting. And, and I can't wait to see where this goes. Yeah. Me too. Um, It is exciting when I let myself think about it. Like that's the key when I let myself think about it because I'm so focused on like X, Y, Z has to get done. (laughs) So, But it is exciting. Let's talk about why we felt like there was a need in the podcasting community as a whole to create a space that's specifically for creators who are part of the BIPOC community. Yes. So, and there are many reasons. Yeah. So maybe we should narrow it down. Like I'll give my top reason and you can give your top reason. So we don't bore Sounds your good. listeners. Uh, so uh, I'll give you my quick reason. Hey friends, it's me, Tangia Renee with That's What She Did podcast. And I am excited to introduce you to our episode sponsor, History Colorado. I love a great museum and History Colorado is one of my favorites. At eight museums across Colorado, including the Center for Colorado Women's History in Denver, the team at History Colorado wants you to discover a personal and powerful connection. Plus, their incredible Bold Women Change History series is coming back this fall of 2021. Their members support local artists and designers, after-school programs for working families, and educators working with at-risk youth. Find your history at historycolorado.org. I had seen now for the last two, three years that in the other podcast groups, which are great, I'm a member of several others, but the issue that I kept running into it was that on some of the groups, the responses that I would get to my questions were very much on the one-on-one level. So I couldn't get deeper information. I couldn't get higher level, like more experienced information out of folks on some of these groups because, you know, we're just all, a lot of us are still learning and some people are, are at different levels than others in the learning process. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I really was craving a little bit more than that. I needed more information. And then on other groups, I was being mansplained too. And so I was like, mm-hmm. okay, like there has to be a balance. Of course, we want to continue to have the one-on-one conversations, but I really think that at this point, where the podcasting industry is now, I mean, we are, uh, what, almost 18 years into the game, a little bit more than that. So the podcasting industry is now evolving so fast. We went from less than 1 million podcasts in 2019 to over 2 million podcasts after 2020 was done (laughs) with us. (laughs) So imagine, I mean, like we're, we're booming. And so right now is the best time to get that knowledge. But how are we going to get that? That was my question. I was like, all right, so 
we need more access. We need to be talking to the leaders that are creating the rules, people that are making changes in the industry, folks that are working at some of these digital companies that are providing services to podcasters. All these people are having the conversations at a level where a lot of BIPOC folks are not being able to access. Like we're, we're not let, being let in. And it's not necessarily on purpose, but it is something that's happening. And so how do we get access to this information? And that's where the idea came to create this group and to start forming those alliances with the people that are making decisions so that we can be a part of those decisions so that we can amplify the voices of BIPOC, um, sorry, of BIPOC folks in the podcasting industry. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was all of that. Definitely <laughs> the mansplaining in various groups made me crazy. I have no patience for that kind of thing. Um, in addition to the mansplaining, what I experienced immediately in several of these groups was um, a different kind of splaining. It was white splaining. Um, and, you know, this show is mainly focused on women of color. And can so you, I would ask I was questions. Say, can you give an example? <laughs> yes. So I would ask questions that would be like specific to my audience or specific to the kind of guests that I was asking for and being clear in the questions like this audience, this, the guests that I have on this show is focused on women of color, although we will have others, um, but the majority is women of color and the audience is mostly women of color as well. And so I would ask these sort of nuanced questions about this is about like audience growth and trying to reach a specific audience. And inevitably I would get like bombarded with these responses from well-meaning white women who were subtly racist. (laughs) And I would be like, are you serious right now? (laughs) And so I would just go through, I I would like delete myself from the group or I would put out a call for guest submissions and say, I'm looking for guests to speak on this topic. I am specifically looking for a woman of color in this industry, mm-hmm. something to that effect. And again, I would get bombarded by white women who didn't read the post. Mm-hmm. Or I would get bombarded by white women who read the post but didn't care mm-hmm. that I said, I'm specifically looking for this person. And I remember one time I posted about looking for a guest because I was specifically looking for an indigenous woman who could talk about um, the, the missing and murdered indigenous women movement. Oh, okay. So it needed to be an indigenous woman. It, right. <laughs> and I got three white women who messaged me and were like, I'm an expert on this topic. I'm a social scientist. And, and I was like, the post says <laughs> that I'm looking for, <laughs> like, yeah. I was pissed. Not, not paying attention. Yep. Well, and no, they saw, and, and they saw that the post oh, said. Oh, but they didn't care. Yes, you're right. They just didn't care. They felt like they should trump somebody who is actually part of that community because they study it academically in, like, their graduate program. So then they're qualified, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they, they, they're they missing the point. No, I... <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean with that. And and I'll give you another example, too, of the kind of responses that you get in some of the groups. 
that that frustrate me and when, when we talk about mansplaining or white splaining and that was for example recently i posted a question about like i said i have 10 to, say i have 10 to 20 dollars to spend on every guest that comes on my show and i want to send them a pair of headphones that have a microphone in them just in case they don't have anything else you know like as a thank you and then also like here's your last you know resort <laughs> for good audio which, you know, as you know, we've discussed at length many times, right? right? So I asked that question and I said, what's the best set of headphones that I could send somebody for with that budget? And it's, I, if you ask me, that's a very inventive, very interesting question to ask. Do you know that I got one actual response that said the name of a brand, right? And a type of microphone. And he was like, I think it's a little bit more than, you know, $30, but it's the closest I could get to your budget. The rest were like, save your money, save your $20. It's not worth it. Uh, like so a bunch of like funny, trying to be funny responses, like basically like uh, buy them chocolates instead or like just not helpful advice. When I'm mm-hmm. asking a question, it's like, if you don't know the answer, if you can't help me, then don't answer. It's very simple. Why do you have to come on here right. and make me feel like I'm a dumbass? Because honestly, that's really basically the intent. Make yourself right. feel good by telling me that I'm a dumbass for thinking that I could do something with, with 10 to $20 that would help anybody. Or, you know, f- feeling like you're better than me because you know that the earbuds are not going to make their sound, you know, that they're not going to sound great with earbuds. So why would I spend money on that? Like, oh my God, I can't believe you would even ask right. that question. <laughs> right. That's the kind of stuff that you get in some of these groups. And it really bothers me. And I'm like, this isn't helpful. So we are trying to create a community where I'm sure that stuff like that will happen. I'm not saying that that it's, you know, that we're impermeable to things like that. But I do think that there is something to be said about the BIPOC community, that when you're in a group where you feel safer in expressing certain questions, hopefully we will have a type of membership that will say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that. Let me know when you find out. Like, that sounds interesting. Or even if it is a question that you're like, oh my God, I can't believe you would ask this question, which I'm sure will happen, that you will will at least have some empathy and remember where you were when you started podcasting. Right. Right. I think that's really important. And that's missing, I think, from a large majority of the groups that I've been in. I mean, not all of them, right? Um, women of color podcasters has had been a really great group yeah. to be a part of, um, but it looks like they're moving off Facebook at this point. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, and and there's other great groups out there that are intended to support different aspects of the BIPOC community, and we hope to be able to collaborate with all of them at some point. And they're definitely welcome in this group as well. But I think for me, what all of that other stuff aside, when I first came into podcasting, the thing that I realized immediately that was a problem was access, mm-hmm. yeah. like immediately. And I realized that because I had just, I was just like started the show, didn't think I was going to like have a show. Like, you know, the story, <laughs> I started the podcast to learn how to podcast. <laughs> and then I thought that someday I would have a good idea for a podcast. Like, it's, a, totally it's a lot not- of work to learn how to podcast. <laughs> Let me launch a podcast. <laughs> I just didn't know any other I'm way sorry, to do so it. You, I'm, I'm, that is so you. That's who you are. 
I'm very I'm a hands-on learner and so I was like yeah I'm just gonna like learn how to podcast and do a few episodes and then one day I'll have a good idea for a podcast (laughs) that's what I thought was gonna happen right so I realized that I need to bring this show back for a second season and I'm like holy shit I don't know what I'm doing and it was really difficult to find access because first of all women of color podcasters didn't exist yet it hadn't happened. And the catalyst that really got me thinking about what does it mean to be a person of color or marginalized group in this podcasting space was um, Spotify and Google did these women of color boot camps where they said, and this would have to have been in 2018, I think it was, like late 2018. And they put out a call for new podcasters or like hadn't started their show like you could just have an idea or you had to be brand new and they were like send in your I feel at this google application send in your idea and we're gonna pick some people to like mentor and launch their shows and twice I applied to both of them right I was excited I was like oh this is so great um because the numbers like the numbers of people of color and podcasting have grown significantly since then there's we're still definitely way in the minority compared to the rest of the industry but at that time it was like tiny it was like two percent or something um and now i think i think it's still less than 20 percent. i would don't quote me on that i would have to go check yeah we need to check we would we will have to check that i'll double check that but i applied and then after i applied i went back and read the fine print (laughs) on both applications. And I was like, I am an idiot. What was the fine print? I cannot believe. So the fine print was that if they, they basically owned your show. Oh, that's right. That's right. (laughs) That's right. I found that out later too. (laughs) So, so by applying, you gave them the right to take your idea and create something with it without you. And I think they changed that later because of that. I think they made it so that it had to be with you. I think something like that. I don't know. But yeah, no, you're right. They're, 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 (laughs) yeah. I don't know. But it was like, and it was so unlike me to not read the fine print. Mm -hmm. And I just felt so stupid after that. I was like, I cannot believe that I basically gave them my intellectual property away for free. Just because they were like, we want to invest in some women of color. And they and they only took like five or ten people. <laughs> and there were thousands yeah. of applications. Yeah. And maybe it's better since then. I have not gone back. They're still doing it every year. I've not gone back and reread over their new terms and conditions. But it felt so exploitive to me. And I realized like if this is what you have to go through to get access to people in places that can help you grow as a creator that's not okay Mm -hmm. you're right and that those boot camps were also the catalyst for women of color podcasters group to be created I think I remember that that was the beginning yes yes. I remember that and and the group grew pretty fast after that and honestly it's because of that group that I was able to meet you so it's kind of cool that you know all that came together yeah, that group has been great and they've they've grown. It's it's has been grown and handled really well. The founder has done such an excellent job with it. And I totally get why there's a move now away from Facebook and into 
you know, with a new business model, it makes total sense. Um, but I think that the need for that level of support still exists. And so I think we're, we've just decided that we're going to be the ones. To yeah, we're feeling the need that we <laughs> saw. I mean, when, honestly, when Tanji and I talked about this, it was like, okay, there's a need in two levels. Again, in the access level, like we're not getting access to this information, but then also like people that want a little bit more than the 101. And then also there are people who don't want to necessarily step out of Facebook right now, even though a lot of us <laughs> are frustrated with Facebook in many ways. You know, there there's that also that also that other layer that we have to contend with. So we decided that we needed to build this group inside of Facebook for now. Obviously, the community mm-hmm. will still will be available on Instagram as well as far as like following us and getting some information. But the main thing of, you know, the, the main component of BIPOC podcast creators will be on the Facebook group because we wanted it to be something private, something where people felt comfortable sharing and asking questions and not being berated for the types of, of concerns that they have or they bring up. And then I also want to go over the goals that we came up with, if that's okay with you, Tanji. Yeah, yeah, of course. Just want to talk about the goals for BIPOC podcast creators, which we have five main goals that we're going to have. And one is to create higher level resources for podcasters going beyond the 101, like I said. Number two is to advocate to create a higher level of access into the podcasting industry. Number three is we want to build a space where BIPOC podcast creators can express themselves authentically and without judgment. Cause you know, and I think, hold on, <laughs> yeah. just let me inject right here. That one's super yes. important to me because one of the rules of this group is that we totally welcome with open arms, um, BIPOC creators in all of their many identities. So if you are part of the queer community, if you are trans, however you identify, whatever your identity is, it's welcome here. And I feel like there's been, in podcasting specifically, very few spaces where you can be all of those things at one time. Like there's groups for um, people who are queer or trans or however they identify whatever their identity is. And then there are like group for Black podcasters or women podcasters. But we wanted to intentionally try to create this space that is like, be all of the many facets of your identity right here. And we will not tolerate hate speech of any kind. Um, you're you're just, just bring who you are authentically. Right, exactly. To this space. And, and especially, uh, we'll, we'll, it, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but especially because I like what you said and the many facets of who you are, bring all of that with you, not just like, oh, here's the black of me, or here's the woman of me. I am a multicultural individual, you know, I'm Mexican, but I also, I'm married to a black person. I have a biracial child. I grew up in this country because I'm an immigrant. So I have a lot of facets of me that I like to celebrate. And that's why BIPOC Creators is for you. It's for everybody who feels like there's so many different layers to them and they want to celebrate all of that without judgment and authentically. And that's why we created this group. And it's reflected in the color scheme even that we have for for our (laughs) logo. So 
number four, the fourth goal is to bring visibility opportunities that will advance BIPOC podcast creators. So that's when we talk about like, where can they speak? Uh, where, you know, opportunities to speak, opportunities to mentor, opportunities to be mentored, um, submitting to awards, all of those kinds of things uh, we want to bring to our, our BIPOC uh, podcast creators in the group. Then number five, we also want to offer resources that will help create a more sustainable creation process. Because as Tanjia mentioned at the top of the episode, 50% or so of podcasts don't even make it past the seventh episode. So we want to try to elevate and amplify the voices of BIPOC folks in the podcasting industry by creating resources and, and giving access to resources that will allow them to have a more sustainable production process, because that is key to being able to build that podcast and continue to put it out week mm. in and week out, which by the way, right. I woke up this morning, as I told you before we started recording, <laughs> I woke up this morning with a heavy heart and a heavy head. I apologize. I thought I silenced all my devices. I am very sorry about that. Very okay. unprofessional. Um, so I woke up this morning with that thought in my head of like 50% of what I do or what we do as podcasters or podcast creators is the creativity process is like, oh, the fun of like recording, getting to know somebody new, asking great questions, uh, coming up with some really cool ideas. And then <laughs> the other 50% of what we do is some bullshit. It's like, how do I get people to listen? How many times do I need to post on social media so that people can see my posts and I can beat the algorithm? Wait a minute, I can't do video all the time because then they bury me. Oh no, I can't put that much text on my image because they'll bury me. Oh wait, I can't necessarily tag too many people because they'll bury me. And again, or or even this, like, oh, I just saw that this topic is trending. Um, maybe I should do an episode on this topic so that I can be in the algorithm so that people can pick me up on Google searches. I mean. That's 50% of what we do as creators. We have to look mm -hmm. at the business side of it, the, the aspect that says you're competing with a ton of other people, millions and millions and millions of content out there for people's ears and or eyes in some cases. So what are you going to do about that? And that's 50% of it. And it can be really frustrating. It can make you really tired. It can make you want to throw your headphones, give up. And, and just be one of those 50% podcasts that don't make it past the seventh episode or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that I'm hoping that this group will alleviate some of that, will at least be a place where you can come and say, oh my God, I need to vent. Is someone else feeling what I'm feeling? Or how did someone else get over this hurdle? And not just, you know, feel like you have to do it on your own. That's that's the key, I think, to 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 creating, right? And it's like you have to get into this rhythm and understanding of okay, fifty percent of it is the fun stuff, and the other fifty percent, <laughs> I'm not gonna love it, yeah. but I have to learn to manage it. And that's where I think that we could help people become a little bit more successful in that in that area, or at least that's one of my goals. No, I think you're right. I mean, the bullshit makes it hard. It makes it sometimes unbearable. It makes it, you know, like I've told you before, Mariba, like, I just want to quit today, like everything. I just want to quit and I'm going to get a job at Starbucks so I can drink coffee and not be bothered with any of this, <laughs> with any of the stuff. And just like, talk to people no. and say hi and ask them casual yes. questions. Yeah. Yes, that's, I'll just get a part-time job. 
as a barista and make coffee. <laughs> coffee makes people happy and I'll have my health insurance <laughs> and that's all I need. <laughs> none, of, none of this bullshit. But the truth is, is like the bullshit is what makes it hard, but the community is what makes it possible. Mm, I, I love that. And <laughs> you're right. When, when I was creating in, in isolation, it was really, really hard. Um, and then when I found, you know, people out there who could relate and were experiencing the same thing and were like, yeah, this is my problem too. And, and being able to connect on that level, it alle- you're right. It alleviated that. And, you know, does that mean that we're creating a movement? I don't know that we're creating a movement. I mean, we're creating, I think, a community space for people to get the support that they need. But I think, you know, your point around sustainability is really, really important because I, for one, am willing to fight to get as many podcasters of color in this industry and sustaining in this industry and thriving in this industry because... We have to control our own narrative. Absolutely. We are the ones that get to do that. Nobody else, right? Unless you get, unless you don't, if we don't speak our stories, if we don't put our stuff out there, somebody else Mm -hmm. will steal it from us because that's what, that's always what happens. And we know who Mm -hmm. that somebody else would be for the most part. Right. And, and I have to counter and say that I think we are creating a movement, Tangia, because Think about it this way, or and this is something that was also on my heart last week. You know that whole like competitive mentality that exists in our people of color community and our BIPOC communities that is like permeating everything we do. Like most of the time, and, and it happens with women a lot as well. It's like there's mentality, this mentality of scarcity. There's not enough room for more than one person at the top. There's not enough room for more than one black person, one Latino, one woman, etc. And so because there has been so much tokenism in our history. And that is true. That's fact. I mean, there for a very long time, there was only room for one. And so because of that, many of us, I think I would even say millennials and above in the generational <laughs> landscape, for many of us, we have grown up with that scarcity mentality and that mentality of like, I have to keep everything close to heart. I can't trust anybody. I can't really share my successes with people because they'll hate on me. And if I cheer somebody on, they'll take it all from me. Um, if I mentor somebody who's younger than me, they'll take my job one day. Like all these, all these things come through your head, right? And don't like, look, I'll be the first to admit it. That happens to me. It's happened. And I'm trying to grow out of that. And I think that that's where I say we are creating a movement because BIPOC podcast creators, yes, it's a support community for resources and for people to be authentically themselves. But also, I hope that it fosters a new mentality of, hey, there's room for more. There's room for growth. And yes, of course, we're always going to be competitive because that's in our nature. And that's okay. And that's kind of like a fact of where, you know, we live. We live in a society that is competitive. So there will always be competition. But I think that hopefully we will continue to learn to let go and shed that scarcity mentality. Like if we have this group where people can support each other authentically, 
then maybe it will permeate into their lives and it'll seep through beyond the borders of our group and it'll continue on to help them in their lives as people with other people, with our, other communities. And maybe we'll make some changes, even if they're small. But that's where I see it as a movement. I think that's fair. I think that's a valid assessment. I think that, yeah, I mean, historically, there was only allowed to ever be one, right? Like if you turned on the TV and you were watching the news, there, there could be like one Black person one Asian person, one Latinx person. If uh, Like on a TV show, there could be one Black person. <laughs> one, you know, there could only be one at a time. Um, and I do hope that we can help change that, at least in the podcasting industry. Um, because it's, again, I come back to like, we need to be able to control our own narratives. Because if you look like, first of all, it's just better. Like, it's just better when we tell our stories our way. Well, the um, content and comes we, a lot more authentically that way. And it connects yeah. better with your audience when it actually comes from you. Yes, absolutely. Instead of other people speaking on our behalf. And, and like, this is one of the problems that I, big problems that I have with news media that I've been talking with people in, in media here locally, where I live in Colorado, is that, you know, you you don't get to tell somebody's story just because you're a journalist. Like what, just because you went to journalism school or just because you're the reporter, you don't get to decide that you tell that story on the behalf of someone else. Like that's their story. And I feel like you need to have their permission to do that. And if they want you to tell the, their story, then you need to do that in a way that's really respectful. Um, but when other people are controlling the storytelling for us, we only ever get stories of conflict. And stories of, you know, scarcity and, and this horrible thing that happened when that is just such a small aspect of anybody's life. And that's life. how we got to where we are now. I mean, if you think about it, it's the control mm -hmm. of the narrative that got us to this point of history or this point in society where there's still so much hate and division and there's still so much belief that people of color are not good enough by some, you know, societal standards or, or are not worthy or deserving enough. And so I, that's it. You, you hit the nail in the head, as they would say, you have to take control of your narrative. And that is why we need more voices. That is why we need to continue to amplify the voices of BIPOC people, not only in podcasting, but just in general creativity, in general content creation, video, everything, because by telling those stories and by having those voices involved is how we're really going to turn the corner as a society. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm generalizing. I'm making it very like simple, right? It's not that simple. Mm -hmm. I know that. But it's really, I, I really do think that media plays a huge role into the equality journey that we're on and the, you know, social justice journey that we're on. A hundred percent. And I, again, I have this conversation recently, in fact, with um, some media people here in Colorado around the importance of storytelling and for, for people to be able to control their own stories. And, and just like to give you an example. So a month or two ago, I was um, approached by a journalist who was doing a story on, um, 
for a, an online publication about women of color specifically in podcasting and like what the journey has been like. And one of the things that she told me is that she couldn't find at first, like it took her a long time to create the story because at first she had a really difficult time finding women of color podcasters who met a certain criteria. Like they had to have been, you know, consistently, the show had to have been consistent for like a, at least a certain amount of time. And she wanted a podcaster that was obviously a woman of color who was established, had an established show of some kind and had clearly reached some level of quote unquote success, right? So they had an established show. They clearly had a following. They were maybe on the cusp of or already monetizing their show. So nothing really crazy, some basic things. And she, and she just was like, I, for the longest time could not find anyone. And I was like, well, huh? Cause I, I know hundreds, like literally I know hundreds. <laughs> and I said, uh, so how did you find me? So she eventually found her way into the one colors Facebook group and posted in there. And then somebody tagged me and that's how we ended up getting connected. But before that happened, she was like, there was no place that I knew to go to, to find who I was looking for. And this is a, a journalist who's a woman of color herself. She was like, it was really frustrating. And I felt like it was really important to, to write this article. But in the beginning, it was really frustrating. And I just thought, I don't ever want to hear again that a journalist is looking to connect with a person of color to let them tell their story and to amplify their work. And she can't find who she's right. looking for. Like, that is completely unacceptable yeah. to me because there's thousands of us out and here. We know there are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that a journalist, a person that is paid to do research, to actually spend hours on the internet trying to pin down somebody and write, mm -hmm. obviously, that. <laughs> but they, that person has skills, right? They have skills to research and, and figure things out and they can't find it. That, that's not good. That definitely really let us know that there is a serious need for that community. And I'm so glad that we have it. Um, I want to, I know we're running kind of long on time. I wanted to know if we could talk briefly about, um, you know, how they can get to the group and then also how they can help support the group. Yes, that was going to be the next thing. So to get to the group, just like if you're on Facebook, use Facebook, <laughs> <laughs> just go to Facebook. <laughs> I've been to the search bar. <laughs> yes. Go to the search bar, utilize your search bar, BIPOC podcast creators. And the link will be in the show description? Yes. Okay, cool. Or the episode description. Yes, the link. Yes, we'll put that. We'll link in the in the show notes for everybody. Um, same thing on Instagram. Same exact. That's the handle BIPOC podcast creators. There's a link in the bio that will take you directly to the group as well. Yes. And another way that you can support this group and this community and help us build together is by buying us a coffee. So you can go to yes. buymeacoffee.com forward slash BIPOC and you can buy us a coffee so that we can continue to build this community. We have some options on there. And actually we have our first goal is to get to $2,000. When we get to $2,000, we will build out our first website so that we can start to yep. create that uh, landing page where future people who are going to be looking for BIPOC folks in podcasting, like reporters, mm -hmm. can find you and us easier. 
Yes, absolutely. So definitely support in any way you can join the group. If you're part of this community um, and want that support, but buy me a coffee would be really helpful to us as well so that we can build that podcast or that website. And then with that will come the blog and many other opportunities. We definitely don't want to um, build this house on Facebook as a platform. (laughs) We see, we see Facebook as a temporary solution, um, but we definitely need to get to a space that we have that website so that whatever shenanigans that uh, Facebook is doing don't impact us. (laughs) Exactly. Well put. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And they're always up to some kind of shenanigans. So Thank you, Maribel, for joining me today. I'm excited to get this episode out and talk, just talk about this group and let people, more people know that it's out there and that it's growing and that we're here for it. And uh, if you want to collaborate with us, like if you are a member of the media and you have an idea, email us. I will link that in the show notes, but the email is bipocpodcastcreators at gmail.com. If you are a brand or a company that's looking for collaborations, Uh, we definitely want to hear from you. We're all about amplifying the voices of these creators, but also bringing them and connecting them to opportunities that they may not otherwise have. So, you know, think of us as a resource. And if you are a creator in the space and a person um, of BIPOC identity, we definitely invite you to join. It's your space um, to get the support that you need. So let us know. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. My, my pleasure. All right, folks, you know what to do. All of the links will be in the show notes as usual. And uh, please share this episode out with any creators you know or anybody that might be interested in collaborating with us. We believe in uh, collaboration, not competition. So <laughs> whatever it is, we can find a way to work together for the most part. Um, but we are excited to keep growing this group and keep creating. And hopefully we'll see you in the group. Until next time, we're out.